This Geeked Out Collecting Podcast episode is brought to you by my wonderful patrons. I'd love to give a special shout out to my top tier patrons, David from Portland, Tan from Pancake Analytics, and Leo. Thank you so much for believing in me and backing the podcast. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support these episodes, become a patron. I have two tiers at $3 and $5 a month. Joining the first tier gives you exclusive access to Patreon posts in a vintage card from iCollection signed by me. The $5 tier gives you access to everything that you get in the $3 tier, along with also having special access to our Discord community. It gives you the opportunity to talk to other collectors, discuss market performance and news, and show off your mail days, along with asking any questions or getting thoughts and inputs from other people that are really awesome and smart at what they do. So whether you join or not, Either way, I appreciate you for listening. Hello, everyone. This is Jess from the Geeked Out Collecting Podcast, and welcome. On this show, what we do is we take financial and investing principles and apply them to our favorite hobby collectibles like Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, sports cards, comic books, Fortnite cards, you name it. We talk about it all. In this episode, I'm really, really happy because I was able to bring on Dan and Travis for a part two episode. In the first episode, we didn't have enough time to go through all the questions that I wanted to ask them and pick their brains on, so they gave me the opportunity to ask a few more questions and get a little bit deeper into some of the topics that we talked about previously. So. And just a quick note on today's episode, Dan, Travis, and I actually recorded this back in December 2020. So we do make a number of references with next year and whatnot, and really what we're talking about is 2021. So I hope that doesn't cause any confusion for anyone, but I just wanted to give you guys a heads up. So these guys are so great. I loved having them on. I hope there are things in here that you can learn from them on. And uh, what else can I say? This is uh, Dan and Travis from Going Twice. Let's go wow okay this was great i'm glad you guys hopped on thank you for coming on for part two um part one was fun and we get to see your face travis so now we know know. (laughs) you know i was i was thinking back uh the other day because i was gonna ask you what do you guys how do you guys feel about these new sets because i remember you had your live and how many etbs did you open up and Um, the pull rates were kind of well i did i did couple different ones so like we did a live where we did like 11 etbs and we pulled like three charizards mm-hmm. which is great we're killing you know mm-hmm. uh, and then we use that math and uh some stuff i watched on youtube like some other people that had some good pull rates and so i convinced myself i was like all right let's do like uh 30 etbs or whatever it was um and not so good i think we got like one charizard or two charizards out of 30 um but, you know, the Champion's Path has been just crazy good uh, with that Charizard V um, included. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the, the people that take the time to actually grade promos are the ones that can be successful opening product. Um, I know there's a lot of people that are hoarding them, but um, usually being first to the market is one of the most important things. And so we take that serious. So, like, the stuff goes out the first day. You know, if I'm opening Champion's Path, every card gets graded the next day and um i wouldn't say you always make money when you open products but at least then you're having fun and you're you're building content you're building followers and you're not losing money um so if there's anybody out there that uh is is sitting there waiting to send their stuff off and it's a new product if it's champion's path it's vivid voltage you know you got to get that stuff out right away Mm mm-hmm 
Yeah, I thought um, I thought it was really cool. I didn't see the one that you pulled the three Charizards, but I saw the one where you were pulling all those Weedles. Did you send all those Weedles out? Oh, we we didn't send all of them out. I have two of them on my desk here. Uh, those are the only two we sent off. Uh, they actually, what's funny is I didn't like go through all the Weedles uh, to to try to find like the best condition one because it was just kind of an inside joke, you know, mm -hmm. messing around. We were getting excited because we were pulling Weedles. Um, so I just looked at two that like look somewhat nice, a reverse hollow and a regular hollow, and we got BJS 9.5 Gemmins. So I probably should have nice. done a little more digging and tried to find one that could be a pristine 10 or maybe a black label, but mm. it was hasty. We just sent them off. Oh, well, that's really fun. I mean, it seems like since the last time we talked, you guys have sent like how many batches now to uh, <laughs> any of the players? Like... I, you guys have just been posting huge stacks of your um, your ready-to-go cards. So Right now we have um, – so we look at it as like what we have bought and paid for when it comes to CGC. Like I don't pay attention to what's in the mail or what they haven't checked in. Um, mm -hmm. But right now we have a little over 7,000 cards sitting there that we've paid for the graded. Oh, okay. Um, there might be another 1,000 to 2,000 that are sitting at their facility right now not checked in. Um, they usually get them checked in in the first week, but this was a big week that we sent off a lot. So I don't, I don't do the, the typing in anymore. Like, I don't know the numbers of how many uh -huh. get sent off. I do the sleeving and the preparing of the cards and, and somebody else types them in to send off, but um, 7,000 there. We haven't sent anything to PSA in a while just because they're a little backed up. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that, that I'm sure we'll get into in this mm -hmm. podcast, but uh, and then we send, you know, one or two packages minimum a week to Beckett and we get one or two packages a week back from Beckett. Um, but we always pay for two day or five day. Um, we do a lot of no subgrades grading because that's the only way that it's affordable. I did and send a 10 day order ask, yesterday. Oh, why no subgrades? <laughs> oh, you said, yeah, So, because 10-day take months, you know, so. Right, well, we said it, all, it was all Joe Burrow stuff, so we're like, we're waiting for next year, so we're okay waiting six months for the 10-day <laughs> service. Um, but yeah, uh, Beckett's, Beckett's, they're getting behind now, too, on their two and five-day. They're astronomically mm -hmm. behind on their 10-day, 20-day, 60-day. Um, you know, maybe uh, a couple weeks ago, a five-day would take 10 days. Now, a five-day will take two weeks. Um, Man, but a two days pretty right on um if you can get it there usps is is as behind as can be as well we have packages from a week ago that are still sitting in seattle that are supposed to go to the east coast so yeah yeah that's not been that's not been fun there's a lot of stuff going on with the mail in general i mean everyone ups usps like dhl everyone's behind everyone's sending packages but um yeah. even psa actually with that ronaldo card that I sent out for the um, express grading, which I got back. I sent awesome. it out November 11th and I got it like two days ago, Thursday. So, you know, that that's a little bit longer than I probably expected, but honestly, you know, like we, we said it before, you just forget about it, <laughs> send it and forget yeah. about it. You get it when you get it. So yeah. and um, that's, that was the $75 service level or the $200 service level. Oh, uh, it was the 75. 75. Yeah. Yeah, so that was what, fun. What'd you get? Got a nine. Nice. So um, I really, I was looking at the paperwork that I got back and I thought like normally there's grading notes on there because I really yeah. wanted to see like, why did it get a nine? Because honestly, it, it, it looked really good. I I, I want to see the, if there are notes available. I want to see the notes first because maybe I might 
either get it, send it to BGS to see if I can get a 9.5 or maybe regrade it to get the 10 because, you know, of course the price difference is crazy. Like right now I'm thinking that I saw the 10s go for like 14 or 18 and the nines are going for 800. So, yeah. so it might be worth sending it back in. I don't know yet. <laughs> All depends on on what actually happened to the card, but I mean, I'm still really. It's like oh, it's, you don't you don't have it in hand yet. Oh no, I have it. It's just sitting somewhere uh, else. I should have grabbed okay. it. Shit, All I right. should have grabbed it for you guys. It's Sorry okay. about that. Um, but but yeah yeah. So so that was really nice. I mean, I it's still a positive. You know, I'm I'm in no rush to try and get some kind of other grading on it, but um, but definitely still a really great ROI card. But yeah um. But as far as like everything being super slow, I didn't realize BGS was starting to get a little backed up um, as well, which, you know, I'm glad you brought up the no sub because honestly, that was something I was going to ask because I'm trying to get some stuff ready and prepared. And I, I was looking at the prices between the subgrades and the no sub and I'm like, to me, the only difference I would probably get a subgrade is if it's a really, really high value card. And, you know, a collector might want to see like the 0.5 on it. I don't know. Like, what do you guys like you, you will go with the no sub if it's not necessarily a super high value card. So first uh, they do actually give you free subgrades if you get a 10. Oh, okay. Um, so if you do get a pristine, they do offer the subgrades for free. So that's kind of a nice little feature. Um, so really the only subgrades thing that matters is if it's a nine five or lower, and then you'll have no subgrade. Um, Travis probably can talk about prices a little bit more of that. Um, so I'll let him go on the prices. Yeah. The, so like what, what we do, our, our general rule of thumb is, is if it's a modern Pokemon card, you pay for no subgrades because you get a pristine 10 one in five times anyways. So if you mm -hmm. get a, a pristine 10, uh, you're getting the free subgrades. Even if it's a black label, that's free subgrades, all, all of the above for pristine 10s. Uh, second, um, for the vintage stuff, the only stuff we're paying for subgrades is if we think it's around a thousand dollar card. That's where it starts to that extra fifty to seventy five dollars you're paying um, starts to make a difference. Because like five day no subgrades is forty dollars with subgrades is a hundred dollars. So you're paying more for the subgrades. Yeah. Than the um, mm -hmm. So at that at at that rate, it starts to make a difference for Beckett at. Um, about a thousand dollars, eight hundred to a thousand dollars. CGC, I've had no luck with subgrades bringing me extra money. Period. So I, I, I strictly do no subgrades when it comes to CGC graded stuff. Um, I mean, I'm sure somebody will tell you that if it's a buy it now listing, they're more likely to select the one with subgrades for the same price versus the one without subgrades. We're oh, not the person that does the buy it now listing. I we sell stuff on our eBay auction. We sell stuff at auction on our auction site at goingtwice.com. Mm -hmm. And we sell stuff at auction at PWCC. We're strictly pretty much auctions when it comes to higher end cards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And I thought it was really cool. I mean, because we're talking about grading, I thought it was really cool that you guys actually sub uh, or send uh, video games for grading to, I don't know how it's, do they do people say VATA or VADA? How do they or WADA? I always forget it, but uh, video grade, uh, video game grading yeah. company. I think that one is located out of the UK. Am I right? I, I don't know about uh, in Denver. WADA's in Denver, though. Oh, okay, okay. And then that, and we grade with WADA uh, 
a, a friend of a friend had worked there. So that's who we choose to support. We don't have, we don't even know the guy. We don't get any insider knowledge or, or better grades, but you know, just when you know somebody, you just try to support their business. They're kind of on mm-hmm. the upstart of, of video game grading and, and really taking the market by storm really. So um, I don't know a whole lot about it. I don't know why they grade certain things. Nice. Dan has a great, a, car, a game there to show. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty intense. Like it's a huge box. That is a huge box. So that's just this is Halo. So we just grade kind of any sealed game we find, like yeah. randomly. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like I mean the cost of grading is kind of not that much, and we just we just send them to the shelf in here, and, mm-hmm. and eventually we'll go on to a monthly auction on our, on our website. But we just thought it was a cool thing just kind of to try out, see how they do it, and see how the see, see how the plastic looks, and it's super like it doesn't move in there at all uh-huh so and they they do like these they do great details and all all kinds of details oh on they so have it right cool on there yeah i've i've been like dipping my toes into the video game market just because when you look on ebay and you see like you know like a like halo combat evolved uh graded for like 2000 and then um like pokemon red blue um they're going for a few thousand and then Kuan and then Rose, uh, Flowers of Roses, or I can't remember what that game exactly is called. You, you just see so many games and, and, and they're going for these really high prices. I mean, I actually don't know what's high for, for that market or not. Cause I don't know yeah. it, but, but yeah, I think they've been having like a vintage, you know, NES games, like Super Mario brothers. Like I know, no, I really know nothing about video game grading, but I believe like $30,000, $100,000 in that yeah. price range for that game. So and that's real money that that got a lot of new people interested um it's definitely a market that is the comic book collectors mm-hmm. uh, they're comic book collectors you know where trading cards and sports cards goes through pwcc comic books generally go through heritage mm-hmm. heritage is a part owner i believe of wada and so oh, they they sell I didn't know that or they're at least an investor in WADA. It's like publicly knowledge. I'm not, oh, okay. I'm not spilling any secrets <laughs> here. Um, but they, they, uh, they, they sell the games, the WADA games on okay. their auction. So it's kind of a, a transition between comic buyers are also be getting involved in, in graded video games. That's pretty cool. That, that's, been, that's been a really interesting thing for me to see just because there, you know, all of a sudden, like your nostalgia hits, like you see the old school Tomb Raider um, games, or you see like, you know, classic NES games or uh, SNES games. And you're just like, oh, wow, now I need to be keeping an eye out for these like sealed games or, or whatnot to potentially get um, to potentially get graded because I think it'd be pretty cool. I, it seems like it seems like, um, you know, I guess like the energy or the mindset of other like collectible hobbies are kind of moving into these other markets, which I find to be really interesting. I don't know how long people have been grading video games for, but um, I feel like it, easy people like like us can just, you know, go in and start collecting more stuff, which I mean, because naturally we tend to play video games, I guess, right, when it comes to nerdy geekiness. <laughs> so when that nostalgia button hits, like it just, it just hits. So, um, I know the other day I, I posted a video where we, no, not a video. Um, but a picture on Instagram where my brother found, gosh, was it blue shield? It was one of the half-life games. I can't think of 
the name off the top of my head, but I'm thinking like, oh man, Anthony, this might be cool to, I don't know, send in to get great. And even though it's a PC game, it would be a huge thing. I don't, I don't even know how it works, but it'd be a huge container. Um, yeah, I don't know how it works. Yeah, I but think, uh, I think they have limits right now on size and games they do. Like, I don't think they do like Sega Genesis right now games or oh, they're mm-hmm. growing businesses. Um, you know, the, the other company, I think it's like you said, it's VGA or whatever. They've been around for a while. They might have a little bit more options as far mm-hmm. as WADA goes. I think they do like 10 types of games right now and they're and they're growing each month, you know. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. So I heard from PSA that they just recently got bought out by um, an investment firm. So now they're going private. Uh, do you think that'll start to, you know, change some things when it comes to their turnaround and whatnot? Uh, so I'm, it, you know, I'm encouraged and discouraged. So the guy that owns this private firm, we also recently bought the Mets. Uh, oh. So he's definitely a big investor. Um, what I don't like about it is you know, the, as a publicly traded company, they have a lot of uh, responsibilities and rules that they have to follow um, with uh, quarterly reports and and uh, disclosing information about how far they are behind, disclosing information about number of cards in their facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, once they go private, those those responsibilities and rules are out the window. Um, you know, they're, they're not responsible for saying how far behind they are. They're not responsible for a lot of a lot of other issues that that as you see, kind of protects the customers from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of, de- I'm, I'm hesitant uh, about it. Um, at the same time, you know, this guy who bought this, his, his whole thing is that he brings a lot of um, technological expertise to the issue and he, try, and he might try to speed up the process as the idea. So that they can, the more they can do, the better, the, the, you know, the more they can do, the better they do. So right. he's going to try and kind of, kind of speed up the process. And maybe that helps the market. Um, but, you know, I, I like the, the transparency of it all so that the public publicly traded company brings. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant, but optimistic. So we'll see mm-hmm. how it goes. Yeah. When, and yeah. when it comes to when it comes to stuff like that, there's no done deal yet until it's done. So we just, you know, I, I honestly, it's it, it's always great when something comes along that makes the news uh, in the sports card or, or trading card world. So that will help no matter what. There'll be that residual effect. But we simply don't know if it if it will actually happen yet. Um, all the things can get signed and then uh, they can block it. You know, the mm, yeah. There, there, there's the the contracts are being checked by lawyers and government officials constantly, just making sure everything's above board and everything goes through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I mean, I hope things speed up and, and PSA, you know, rises back to being the most efficient, most consistent grading company. You know, that that would be the hope. You know, so mm-hmm. optimistic as it, it can't get much worse around with turnaround times and stuff as it is right now. So. Yeah, I know. I know it's been pretty bad, but yeah, I, I, I can understand your guys' sentiment, you know, optimistic though, not going to put all my money down on it, you know, <laughs> but um, something that you, we were talking on before you came on, Travis, um, Dan and I, we were kind of talking about the uh, PWCC auctions, which uh, what I was saying uh, to when I was telling Dan, um, I actually had a uh, I was doing a podcast session while all of those auctions were going on. And then all of a sudden I get off and I'm hearing all this news that there, there's all this commotion and whatnot in the hobby. People are, are, are talking about how uh, there were so many cards that, that 
that were bought at very low values compared to what we would have presumed to be the market rate. And so there was all this commotion, all this whatnot going on. And um, I just thought it was super interesting to see how the market was reacting to these PWCC auctions. And I know that there's been a few influencers talking about how they actually blamed it a little bit on how PWC did their auction because there were so many cards, I guess, that were, there were multiples of the same listing being sold at the same time. And so the market was a little bit flooded for that moment. I don't know if you guys, any thoughts on that, if you agree or disagree. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they, me and Dan were actually talking about this just recently too, is, is if they, if you can sign, let's say you're the consigner, you can sign your jungle first edition box there and three other people can sign their jungle first edition boxes there. If they say, well, we're only going to sell one of each item each month, all of a sudden you get to the point where um, it takes much more time to, you know, it's going to be years before all the jungle first edition boxes get sold. Whereas right. they're just, you know, I would assume they're licensed auctioneers. Um, I don't really know any you know, I don't know how their business is constructed, but when somebody can sign with them, you know, they have a legal contract to sell the stuff when you told them you want it sold. Um, so I don't think it's so much, you know, PWCC is just doing what they're consigned to put on the form. You say mm -hmm. exactly when you want it sold, they do their best to get it sold then uh, during that month. So I, I just don't know what the resolution is there, but mm -hmm. I do know this, if items don't sell, you know, if one item would, would have sold for this price and a hundred don't sell for that price, then the item isn't worth that. The item right. is worth what a hundred people, a thousand people are willing to pay for it, not what two people are willing to pay for it. Uh, you're talking about ultra rarities, if that's the case. And these aren't ultra rarities. You know, if a, a PSA 9 first edition Charizard, you know, if only one can go for 40,000 and if you sell five, they'll sell for 25,000. Well, it's probably not worth the, the 40,000. I, I don't think that's PWCC messing up. I think that's just the market is where it's at. You know, I mean, if they had a hundred Jordan rookies, they're all going to sell for the right price. Nobody's going to say, I can't believe they sold a hundred of these. Well, there's, you know, 20,000 people with enough money that are willing to buy them. So it just kind of puts into perspective how much money is involved in this hobby and, and where the market's really at. And what happens when, um, you know, uh, someone is having PWC sell something for them and, you know, the buyer doesn't ultimately pay because I know like, for example, that Charizard that just came up, I can't even remember the record price it went for, but I don't know whether or not it's been confirmed that the buyer actually paid for the auction. What, what happens at that point? Does it get relisted by PWCC or is that up to all the parties? Uh, yeah. Um, so, okay, go ahead. No, you, you go ahead. Okay. So uh, basically, um, so on the Charizard specifically, they had a, a s approval process that you had to be approved to bid. Um, so they probably had a card number on file and, and kind of knew you as a customer. So there weren't as much shill bidding on a card like that. Mm -hmm. They typically do that with kind of higher end stuff where they'll block people out um, so that they don't have any kind of problems with non-payers. Um, you know, two, I think that, uh, yeah, it's, 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 PWCC is kind of, uh, you know, beholden to eBay at this point still a little, because they still run all their, their auctions through eBay. Um, you know, for us, we, we have our own platform. So mm -hmm. like when you bid with us, 
you gave us your credit card number. So we had a way to, to charge your, your current file. PWCC doesn't have that advantage. So they're, they're gonna be a little bit beholden to eBay um, on what the amount of payers that they get are. Um, whereas an independent auction house like Heritage or us, you know, we, we have that information. So we, we don't have as much non-payers on our auction. Mm, okay. If, if yeah. something goes, if something goes unpaid though, they do relist it usually, uh, three to six weeks later. Um, but you don't pay the fee as the consignor. So they will, right. they will list it. Um, you know, the, at the highest rate, a third, maybe in value doesn't get paid for, uh, they usually say two to 5%, um, is what the email says each month. Um, as to what they expect to not get paid for. Um, but they do block, permanently block any bidder that doesn't pay. So they're doing everything within their power to prevent it. They're trying to prevent shill bidders. Um, a lot of people get mad at them and say they're doing a bad job, but you know, we run a, a, a fairly large eBay account and, and I can't know which bidders are real bidders and not real bidders. You know, sometimes we have to relist an item two, three times um same thing you know you only know so much about a person if they have 100 feedback and are bidding um right you know, maybe they're a millionaire that just doesn't buy on ebay a lot and wants to spend fifty thousand on this card or maybe there's somebody that has a fake account that's trying to run stuff up to affect the market you just don't know yeah yeah i always found that to be really interesting um because you know what protections are there uh for you know show ladies? since i'm not an auctioneer and i'm not involved in those things you know how can you kind of protect the market in a sense but i mean that's really interesting to hear i actually didn't know that they kind of go through a vetting pro process but it totally makes sense i mean especially when you're looking at i mean they've been in the game for a while and you're and you're looking at super high value items i mean you have to put um protections in place to you know prevent those things from happening because it would be freaking terrible and i'm sure you know when it comes down to reputation people are you know they're not going to have a really good reputation if it continuously you know is is happening and whatnot but um i guess going back to what you were saying travis where you know it probably more reflects the market um i mean we kind of saw a dip in november that's that's kind of what we saw so you know um like what you were saying with the Jordan rookie cards, they're always going to go at the market rate. If you sell a hundred at a time, or if you sell one at a time, it's going to go for that price. So maybe what happened, and I don't know which cards these were, cause I didn't, I didn't look too specifically into it, but you know, maybe we're talking about, um, you know, graded commons or uncommons that aren't going to hold their value like a hollow rare, you know, that that's probably what I'm suspecting is happening just cards that didn't hold their value as much as you thought they would yeah but that doesn't yeah, I, mean that I, they're not you can't i i don't think you can blame pwcc for the prices not going for what they're supposed to i think they went for exactly what they're supposed to and, and people were maybe a little from two weeks before um at the end of the day we're still talking about pieces of cardboard selling for thousands and thousands of dollars you know I mean, <laughs> if you look at the graphs of where these things hit uh it looks like the pokemon market's right where it was in august um which is if you're a long-term investor, a short-term investor, if you're a dealer, you, you can't complain about it being where it was two, three months ago. I mean, that's, we're okay with it. We're not, mm -hmm. this last month, we thought we could have sold, our stuff that we did sell could have sold for a whole life-changing amount more money, you know, if it would have sold at the peak. But right. at the end of the day, we just make sure we are making money. We make mm -hmm. sure we bought it at the right price so we're making money. Um, 
you know, we're, we, we look at it because we're dealers as like stockbrokers. When it's high, we pay a little less than high. And when it's low, we pay a little less than low. I mean, it, it you know, for, for dealers, it, it shouldn't matter. Your, your, your rate of buying shouldn't change. Um, if you were paying, you know, 75 or 80% on the graded slab when it was at its peak, now that it's at its low, your customers should expect to be paying 75, 80% of its low. Um, so it, it just kind of goes up and down and, and, and that's how the market moves. Um, there's, there's months that are going to do real good and there's going to be big upticks, but you know, at the end of the day, you just, you just move with the market. And if you're a long-term investor, it shouldn't matter. You didn't pay, you know, $4,000 for a, a BGS nine based on limited Charizard because you thought it was going to be worth, worth more next month. You bought it right. as a long-term investment. <laughs> so who cares what it's worth today? I don't care if it's only worth two grand today. Now it's, you bought it as a long-term investment. You got to kind of turn your blinders off. The only people that get hurt when the market moves like that are the short-term flippers. And any investment across, you know, stock markets, day trading, sports cards, trading cards, silver, gold, anybody will tell you the people that get burned are the short-term flippers. So I think it's more a lesson to be learned. Uh, you know, don't be a short-term flipper on just one thing. You know, be if you would have been a short-term flipper on the whole way up and the whole way down, you would still kept making money. But if you just bought into the hype and bought one item, yeah, you could be down a little money. But if mm -hmm. you keep buying now, you're making money. So <laughs> you just gotta, you just gotta, if you're gonna be a short-term flipper, you better be doing it on a daily basis consistently because it's, it's the highest risk, you know, kind of profit margin. So it, yeah. it, it makes sense. I mean, any invest, any any person that does investing professionally is going to tell you the same thing. That's the highest risk investment you can make. So, yeah, and you know, it's funny you bring up a lot of really good points because a, I mean, okay, so day trading just seems super stressful to me. I am not like I'm way too type A for day trading to work for my lifestyle. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's just not that's just not how it's going to go. It stress me out way too much, and and. I don't know how much day traders actually lose, but I, I can't expect many of them win, but, um, you have, you did bring it up in the last episode when we were together where, you know, you guys have bills to pay and, and it doesn't make any sense for you guys to hold back on inventory because you're trying to track the high, right? Cause I mean, you, you can't really, it's tough. You can't repetitively, you know, win every single time. Like, Oh, okay. I sold it at its high every single time. Like, that's just not going to happen. You like what you said, it all depends on the price that you come in. You guys make sure that you come in at a good price and you're just making sure that there's ROI at the end of the day so that you can pay your bills and your payroll. So, um, that, that, that definitely makes sense. I, I know that there's a lot of people in the hobby right now that are looking at, at it from a short-term perspective. And I think that's fine. If that's where they are, I just hope that they're making decisions that will, ultimately like keep them going. And I guess, I guess maybe, I guess maybe part of it is diversifying what they sell, you know? So like riding the wave of Pokemon is fine. And, but, but eventually it may come to a point where you can't really flip Pokemon because you're, you're looking at tiny, tiny, tiny margins, right? Um, because now if you're trying to buy, I mean, of course, if you try to buy graded product now, it's going to be less than what it was in October where we saw this really big, uh, you know, peak, but, you know, I guess you're not really buying in at 
I wouldn't say that you're buying it at really good prices um, to where you can make like what you said, that quick flip, like we're not going to see it 2X or 5X, you know, in a month's time. Maybe next year, I hear a lot of people talking about how there's going to be an uptick in the next six to 12 months with baseball. And so my assumption is, is well, Pokemon will, Pokemon will probably ride that wave too. So maybe we will see an uptick there. But I mean, once you, once the prices are so high, you get to a point where the margins just get smaller and smaller versus when you came in right at the beginning or, 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 you know, just right before, like, um, like those, the, that ROI just doesn't make sense. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know if I would put down $4,000 on something to only get like a 25% ROI. I don't, yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> that's like, that's like my daily thing is 4,000, <laughs> like a thousand. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I, I feel like, I feel like the market, it, it's, the influencers right now are just so interesting in that how much they, they're driving the market. And I still don't get why, you know, I like Gary Vee, like I listen to his stuff, but Gary Vee putting out a tweet on December 7th that says, hey, I think the sports card market's about to go up. And then all of a sudden there's this feeling because Gary Vee said something that everything goes up. And it actually did. Like the, the sports card market is it's on its way back up. That's the secret here. Um, and especially basketball. Basketball is next week. The prices in basketball on PWCC on Tuesday are going to be crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, that's my prediction. I think they're going to be as high as they were back in August. Um, so basketball, I think, is on its way, is all the way already back up. Baseball is coming right behind it. I think that as sports kind of return to normal, I think you're going to see a lot less people, a lot more people investing in sports cards and Pokemon cards and Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic next year um, because it's a better, it's more fun investment than, you know, a regular person like me or Travis. It's easier for us to get into a Pokemon collection as an investment than it is for us to go open an account at, uh, you know, Robinhood and invest in companies that we don't really know anything about other than, oh, Amazon, they deliver stuff to my house. Yeah, I don't really know Amazon's. I can't look at their, you know, profit and loss statement and figure out if it's a good investment. I don't actually know. You know, mm -hmm. so it's just like a guessing game where like with Pokemon or Magic or, you know, for me, sports cards. I can look at a player and be like, okay, I think that he's on his way up and I can do kind of my own kind of guessing game, not based on some crazy like stuff that I feel like I had to go to eight years of college to understand like reading P&L statements for Amazon, you know? So I think it's a way more fun investment. I think in the future, more people are going to use it as an investment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I think a lot of, a lot of like, like what you're saying is like, if, if you were going to spend $4,000 to make a thousand dollars, you know, and if it was going to take six months or a year, you wouldn't take that risk. But if you buy the raw card, the raw card of that $4,000 card is a thousand dollars. And if you buy four of them and you get four of them graded, you probably will get one of those nines or tens that added up to that price. So I think, I think the, the deep down secret here is, is grading the stuff yourself. If, if you want to if you want to make big margins, you want to grade the stuff yourself. If you want to make stable investments that do make 10 to 20% a year, it's buying the graded products. So it's, mm -hmm. it's where you fall on that spectrum. I have a lot of customers on my auction that are like, oh, I just spend, you know, $500 a week on Pokemon cards or whatever their budget is. I mean, $500 <laughs> a week on their budgets. Uh, uh -huh. 
but you know, and then and it's all graded stuff, and they just they throw it in their safe, and it goes up. It's it's worth more as soon as they get it. You know, it's not like we're mm-hmm. selling stuff for retail prices. So, um, you know, they're kind of starting with that advantage we talked about last time, where they already are ahead of the curve. You know, they're getting it ten percent, twenty percent below market. Um, but that's kind of the two differences. Is, is I I wouldn't buy graded cards and hold on to, to make ten percent either, but everybody's in different shoes. A lot of people have a regular job. You know, I sit and I sell Pokemon cards all day, mm-hmm. um, whereas other people have a regular <laughs> job that they don't have the, the luxury of listing everything they have on eBay. So just holding it for a year and it going up, the 20% has gone up every year since 2013 is fine. Um, so I think everybody's kind of just in, in different different levels of, of, of what they need to make. Um, I think the three of us might have a little more time committed to Pokemon than the average person. So we expect a little bit more. And, and when you expect more, the way to get it is by grading yourself. And, and, and grading is the funnest thing in the hobby. And I think 90% of the people in the hobby rarely or never get to experience it because they simply, you know, maybe they don't have the time to do it. They don't know how to do it. They're scared to do it. They send it off to some other service and they let them do it. But I do think it's one of the funnest things in the hobby that a lot of people are missing. Even if you like to invest in graded cards and do the safe bet investment thing, I think everybody should grade a little bit of stuff themselves. Just because it truly is fun just waiting to see those grades and get the stuff back in the mail. And it's like Christmas as an adult sitting there it really when is. the back it shows up. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more from that aspect. I think grading is so much fun. Um, I know next year I'm going to try and send a few comics getting gra- to get graded for the first time, which I'm really excited about because I've, I've never done it. I still need to figure out how the hell to do that. I just got a, a CGC membership for like half off, which I'm like, okay, come on. It's only $12. Let's do it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, yeah. Grading, grading is so incredibly fun. And I mean, other than the fact that like you get a little nervous because you know you you have the grade that you want versus the grade that you'll get. So so I I try not to hype myself up because I don't want to feel that disappointment. I mean even still at the end of the day regardless of the grade it's still fun to get it back. But I mean because I plan on keeping these cards for so long and because they're already so old as it is. I mean, you know, I don't know. Cards that are printed in 99, however long I mean they're they're like 21 I I don't even know. I can't do math right now um, on the spot, but you know, however old they are right now, I mean, just even thinking of it from a storage slash, you know, prolonging them perspective, if I'm going to have it for another 10 years, just get it graded. Like, I don't know. I'm literally just going to get all the cards graded, all the vintage ones, at least. Um, I don't have too many modern cards graded, but yeah, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. And, um, and I've been trying to get people a little bit more on it, especially ever since after the talk that we had, I- I've never gotten anything done by BGS, but I'm probably going to send something in, uh, in like the next month or two. I'm not so sure. Cause like, I was still trying to figure out like the sub or no sub, like, dang, I can save yeah. like $5 versus, you know, paying an extra $5 for a sub. Like, do I want that? Do I not? <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that'll be really fun. It'll, it'll be nice to have some more BGS, uh, slabs. So Absolutely. it'll just never be as big as my PSA. Stack, so, <laughs> but but now I'm I'm getting to the point where I have to figure out how to store the slabs properly because right now I just kind of have them in just um 
one of those BWC boxes just like flipped up. It doesn't even fit right <laughs> because they're for like the normal non-graded cards. I need to figure out how to store those properly. That would be really fun. So, but one of the things that I wanted to kind of talk to you guys about, um, because like, obviously, of course, you know, you focus on sports cards and Pokemon and some coins and some jewelry on the side, but have you been, have you been seeing what's going on with Fortnite and uh, flesh and blood and, I um, force of wills i have seen the Fortnite stuff blow up on instagram now i think so with all these markets like pokemon the supply and demand is what should drive the market right and the demand really didn't go down after october all that happened was hysteria is the first person the first famous person that said watch all these pokemon you know prices look at their crashing you know they just found one it took one eBay listing going a little bit less, that person posting it, a thousand other people see it and post about it. And then it's hysteria. Well, I'm not going to spend my money if it's going to be worth less tomorrow. When the no. supply and demand didn't really change overnight, you know, there, mm -hmm. there wasn't, I mean, there was a lot of stuff coming back from grading, but not nearly enough to, uh, to, to hit the supply for the demand that there was. So the prices shouldn't have changed. It was the hysteria, but that's how I feel with these other trading, I know you're big into the, the Fortnite stuff. Mm -hmm. These other things are, are the things that those people and other collectors are jumping to as I want to get in ahead of the curve on the next thing, uh, which is great. You know, I mean, that's what blows, makes things blow up. You know, it's like when we were kids and, and Yu-Gi-Oh came out after Pokemon, um, we were all like, oh, it's the next cool thing. It's going to be the cool thing at school. You go and you get as much of it as you can because you want to be one of the first people to have this, that, or the other. Um, mm -hmm. So I think those other trading card games are, are kind of following that suit. And then it, it it depends how good the game is itself. And, or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they have insert cards or numbered cards or this, that, and the other. There's going to be need to be some big draw that keeps that little bit of attention that they have right now. So mm -hmm. we'll see if, if, if one of them pulls ahead and, and does something different or makes a game that's better. Um, as far as like a trading card game or a collectible that's better and then you'll see one take off so i think it's great though i mean i think i think Yu-Gi-Oh has been on the slow grind doing the same thing too i mean Yu-Gi-Oh is prepped up to go go crazy but it's just a matter of when yeah yeah and and i don't think any of those games will go crazy like pokemon but it'll be really interesting to see what they do um, because from what I've heard from others, I've not played the game, but I just got a few booster boxes uh, for Flesh and Blood. A lot of players are really enjoying just the format of the game in general. Um, I know it's similar to Magic, but I know that there's some fundamental differences, I believe, but it's just a really, really fun game to play. So I thought that was um, pretty interesting to see. So we'll see how, you know, their... Um, I don't want to say fan base, but their player base will expand. And well, with Fortnite, Fortnite is funny because it's been doing this blow up, like the series one uh, boxes that you could get at Target for like 20 bucks. I think a month or two ago, they were going for like 300 on eBay sealed, which is so crazy to me, you know, a $20 box. Um, it's, it's awesome to see how much it grows, but it's funny because Fortnite cards don't have a game associated with it. It's just, it's just literally a thing. <laughs> like baseball cards is just literally, literally a thing. Um, I think Fortnite will be really interesting because in the interim, there's obviously like a lot of 
like movement and hype. And I just buy them because I've just always found them to be really interesting. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I've, I bought a whole bunch of the series one. Let me go ahead and get the series two, the series two hobby boxes sell out in 15 minutes online. Um, but I think the only way that set is going to go like, you know, do something crazy, uh, before like, 30 years from now when all the uh, Fortnite players all of a sudden have some more money and like, oh, nostalgia hits. Before nostalgia hits, Fortnite players, like I think the players themselves of the game have to really get into the cards themselves. And I haven't really seen that. I I know people who collect them, like for myself, I've never played Fortnite, but I collect the cards because I like the cards. I think they're cool and it's interesting. Um, and you know, who knows, maybe it goes to be, you know, maybe this is the time to get in now, you know, like what you were saying before, a lot of people are doing that, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know how big that'll get without the player base, the actual gamers. Yeah. What's going to be interesting is to see is like, as the world kind of opens up next year and there's Friday night magic again, how the crowds at Friday night magic are going to react to, uh, some of the other games. Cause like. If you show up for Friday Night Magic and the two cool Magic kids are playing Flesh and Blood, and that happens across the country, that game could be huge overnight. Um, you just gotta really see kind of how how the kids react, how everybody reacts. And mostly though, it's like I guess it's the young adults who have jobs who have enough money to buy all the best cards to make it mm-hmm. you know a fun game. Um, we'll see how they react when everything opens up because. Um, it's gonna be like when when they bring back Friday Night Magic across the country. It's gonna be really interesting to see like the how the dynamics have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I used to run a store that had a, a pretty lively Friday Night Magic, and you know they have a huge like a huge room still sitting there empty right now with thirty five gaming tables ready to go because they're the biggest mm-hmm. one in our area. Um, they're gonna be a really good place. Like we'll probably end up having to learn how to play Magic. Um, I haven't played since 94. Uh, we'll have to go there just to see what kids are playing, um, mm-hmm. to see kind of like what's what's going to be the new thing. So I think that's going to be a really good, like, uh, a really good thing to look at when things are open back up fully. Mm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going on tour playing Yu-Gi-Oh. That's my, that's yeah. my goal. As soon as this opens, I'm just, nice. I love Yu-Gi-Oh. I played Yu-Gi-Oh like 10 years after it was cool we were in high school you know us all the football <laughs> players and wrestlers we all played Yu-Gi-Oh so oh like my everybody gosh, thought we were so absolute nerds but I love Yu-Gi-Oh so um you know whatever I'm not jumping in right now because I want I like to only play like I don't like to play online um mm-hmm. so whatever the meta is at the time when the, the tournaments start back up is I'm gonna go out and I'll spend my three thousand dollars to have the the best possible deck all in mm-hmm. hollows and then we'll play you know so I'm looking forward to it. I think Pokemon might blow up as far as the in-person play. Like it's always been one of the small, smallest of the three, because uh, your big three are Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, Dragon Ball Z is probably pretty close to the same level as Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Pokemon now, with the following it has in the collector world, it has the real potential to those tournaments be full. You know, I mean, it could be absolutely insane. Um, I was thinking about the same thing as Dan's talking about right now. I was like, when everything opens back up, which of those four games is going to take off? Um, and then of those other games you're talking about, which one of those is going to maybe fill in the place of that role that, that as the backup game, you know, 
I think there's going to be six big trading card games and, and, and there'll be a new, maybe, I think there's the potential for there being a new number one. Magic the Gathering is huge. Magic the Gathering has the biggest following. But mm -hmm. I think as far as like the number of kids that show up for a tournament or young adults that show up for a tournament each week, um, we might see a different, a different game take the lead. And I don't know which one it is. It could be any of, any of them really. Um, mm -hmm. But it's going to be exciting to see. Um, I know I'm going to be involved. I really like playing trading card games. Um, I've, you know, I played Yu-Gi-Oh! Magic, um, played a little Pokemon when I was a kid, but uh, going to try to get involved in all of them now as best I can, try to learn at least, you know, maybe, maybe be sitting up here at the front of the store and playing against the people that are opening the packs with us and, and just have a little more fun, you know. That's what, that's what next year is all about, you know. This year Aww. was about selling some of the bigger collections we have. Next year is about, you know, kind of having fun and just sitting back and, and kind of taking it all in, so. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'll be really fun to see all the tournaments start to come up, all the in-person stuff start to come up. I don't know if Pokemon does this like how um, Magic the Gathering does, but when it comes to the tournaments for like the winning deck of the tournament, I think it'd be so cool to be able to like buy the the winning deck. Um, what are those cards? It's like the back has a different, it's like a gold border on the background. Do you know what I'm talking about? They, they do world championship decks for pokemon too oh do they okay they, did, they do a magic they, version they, too yeah. well they used to they yeah. don't do so, that anymore mm. i haven't seen any modern magic ones because um, mm -hmm. magic is just turning over so often that it's hard to like by the time they'd have that printed that'd be out of print yeah you know, maybe, you know, it'd be like a true collector item only mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I mean the the product that that Magic the Gathering has just been coming out one after the other. I can't even I can't keep up. I can't keep up with Pokemon. I can't keep up with Magic. There are just so many sets coming out. I'm getting them all confused. <laughs> but but yeah, we've been, that... trying to buy, we've been trying to buy Fortnite and Dragon Ball Super. We've been we put it on our order lists with our uh, distributors. So like so far they haven't given us any. So either someone's mm. out there buying too much of it and hoarding it or they're not really just releasing that much of it so but we're on the list we're trying to get in and involved in that we're trying to store some dragon ball z because i think that's that might be a, a big one here coming up yeah yeah that'll be interesting and uh you know your local target or your local walmart too i don't know hopefully hopefully they got some i i heard recently that um not every target is doing this but they're trying to keep a stop from scalpers going in and buying out the shelves with anything so i think uh for this one guy was telling me they have like a like a two box max uh for anything trading so that would yeah. that'd be nice um, our our target is uh consistently empty oh um, and i would say that i i can't imagine the security issues at the targets but i can't imagine that half of this stuff is getting paid for Mm -hmm. you know it's just it's just crazy like the amounts of stuff I mean, we don't buy sealed product over the counter but it's amazing the amounts of people who walk in here with sealed product to our auction house and want to sell it and we just say you know we just, we just don't buy it we don't mm -hmm. buy it but they're willing to sell it for less than the price the target sold it for like that doesn't make any sense yeah so, that doesn't make sense yeah yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people, so like what Dan said, a lot of people, I think a lot of stuff is just being simply stolen and, and those regulations might even increase that number because people are like, well, I can just take five. If I go up yeah. to the cat, which I can only pay for two. Um, the, the second thing um, is a lot of what's going on. I traveled, like I said, this whole summer, I traveled the entire time. I was not in Washington state. I was in Washington state one week out of every month, basically. And I was 
driving from here to Nashville, Tennessee, to Dallas, to finding, you know, we were mostly looking for Pokemon card collections and basketball card collections, but we bought a lot of everything. It was, it was a crazy summer. Um, but I went into card shops all over the country and it was a surprising amount of Target employees that are buying this stuff before it ever hits the shelf. Walmart employees that are buying it before it ever hits the shelf and they're selling them to the hobby store so they just buy it. You know, it's not like they're even stealing it. They just never let it hit the shelf. They buy it. They have a deal with the hobby store. They sell it to the hobby store for a small profit. The hobby store then sells it for a small profit. Um, but I know, so people are like worried about scalpers. Well, a lot of it's the distributor at Target and at Walmart. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it, it's something where like you could camp out all night and it never even hits the shelf. Um, and that's something where I don't even know if it's Target needs to do more or the distributors. But maybe it's Pokemon needs to do more. Maybe Pokemon needs to have it available on their website uh, for this price. You know, maybe it's, and they just compare it to the hobby, you know, still give it to the hobby stores. You know, in my opinion, I think the hobby stores where the kids play and stuff is important for them to have it. But instead of going that retail Walmart target route, maybe that excess in inventory is at a little bit of a premium, but you just order it directly on Amazon from the Pokemon company. Mm -hmm. um, and that might just kind of solidify that problem because I don't think it's the the ten year old kid that's getting very much of that Pokemon product. I think it's scalpers. I think it's guys that like to open, which I like those guys. They're fun. Uh, <laughs> and I think yeah. it's a lot of the employees and just you know straight up thieves that just steal it. So it's a yeah. hard thing. I know Target, Target, and Walmart are working on it, um, but they're also you know they get harassed by every one of their vendors. The card guy is on them because too much card stuff is stolen. Well, the the guy in the frozen food section saying the same thing, and the guy in the clothing section saying the same thing. So every distributor they have, uh, that's how the grocery store works, uh, is saying, "Hey, we're having way too much stolen." And and mm -hmm. Target, Walmart simply can't and won't uh, spend that kind of resources making sure there's less theft. Right, right. You know, I wondered too. At uh, I have two targets. I can. I can go to that are pretty close to me. One of them, like, I didn't even see the boxes hit the shelves. Literally all I saw were the value packs for Fortnite. So I wondered like, mm. <laughs> it was a thought that came to mind. It was just really surprising not to see those boxes. Um, I haven't checked at the other one, but yeah, I can, yeah, that that's such a interesting, that's, that's a hard issue to tackle, I think, you know, because like you can only do so much from like a corporate level to your stores to, you know, enforce certain policies where don't buy out, don't, don't buy out these boxes, you know? Yeah. But, but yeah, that, that was a thought that kind of came to my mind. I, you know, I try to like, because I'll never actually know, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt, but yeah, yeah, that's, that, that kind of sucks. But, um, but I will. Okay. So I hope that you guys do manage to find some at some point. I don't know. I don't know. I, you might just have to do some cross country traveling. I think yeah, that's what exactly. it's going to have to be. But I remember one time last year at a, in the summertime, oh man, this is, it was such a weird thing to experience, but you know, I, I like, I, I go into my target and I make my normal trip to the cards first, just cause I love looking at the cards and see what they have. And this was in July last year. And I saw a guy going through all the packs. Uh, they were like baseball. They, I'm pretty sure they were baseball. I think they were like Bowman's. Um, 
like going to the packs and, and weighing them and then kind of feeling them mm-hmm. just to see if he could maybe, okay, is this, is this a hit? Is this not a hit? And he was literally going through all of them. And it looked so weird because it looked like, like, how do you not look at something like that and think someone's stealing, you know? Yeah. And this really, really tall dude is just going through all these packs, trying to like guess where he can find the hits. I don't even know. Are, are baseball packs weighable? Like, is there no, no. They, they put like dummy things in there for to, to mess with thickness and weight. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you could get yourself into a better pool. Like you could do the math and say, well, like 50% of what I buy could all be hits. Um, mm-hmm. but you're not going to like nail it down and get all the hits or not all the hits. I mean, it's just not built that way. Um, and, and I, I've had the same experience. I think Pokemon's the same. Everybody, people like our, you know, people will pay, you know, $500 for an evolutions box, but they won't pay $10 a pack for an evolution pack because they think they're weighed or something. And I'm like, I've never seen somebody successfully weigh modern packs. Yeah. Modern. I don't, th- I think there's a lot less of that than people think when it comes to modern Pokemon, the same thing. I, I can't believe, well, are all these packs weighed? What do you mean are they weighed? What, what, I don't know what the weight is for an evolution pack to know if it has yeah. all or not all of. I don't think very many people are paying attention to that if it is even possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always wondered when that stopped kind of being a thing. Honestly, when I think of weight packs, I only think of like jungle, fossil, team rocket, base, like those are the only sets I can think of really. I mean, I don't have much experience weighing packs at all. So, so not much, but I, but I, I mean, are there even weighable magic packs? Cause I'm thinking, okay, Watsy, so maybe no, no, because they didn't have foils back then uh, when the time frame would have been. Yeah, you might have maybe like an Odyssey, like if you got into it and figured it out, like maybe, but you know, they because they used to not do a foil in every pack. Now it's a foil, now it's like 10 foils in every pack. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, there might be like one or two sets, like right when they started doing foils, that you might be able to do it. But there's just so many common foils in Magic. Where like, you know, in in Pokemon, when you weigh out a foil on a, a vintage pack, it's a rare. Mm-hmm. You know, in Magic, you could get a, a, a land. You know, so like, there, there's not yeah. really any advantage to weigh there. Yeah, and, and the weights on on Jungle Fossil Team Rocket there's nobody can guarantee you i've spoken to a, a thousand people nobody can guarantee you there's a hollow in anything besides base set base mm-hmm. set is exact science you know i mean based on if it's long print it has a hollow in it based on the weight and i could buy it confidently knowing whether or not it has a follow um mm-hmm. but those other sets i mean i've opened They're a lot of team rocket packs that <laughs> that were supposedly heavy you know, on the weight you know like i knew they were real they were legit from boxes um, you know, whether we opened the box and we wanted to, to open a pack or if somebody else sold us packs that I told them open the box and we put it on the scale, you cannot solidify those, those weights on there. And if you're buying heavy packs on eBay based on the weights, you're probably 30% of the time, you know, even on a real heavy pack getting hosed on Fossil Jungle and Team Rocket. I think your best mm. bet is to truly buy into a break or a, a there's a lot of people on Instagram that do a break, but they don't open the packs. You're just getting an unweighed pack. Um, yeah. That's besides base set. I think you're better. The best bet is unweighed from somebody you trust. Um, weighed isn't going to help you unless you unless you have the weights of all 36 packs from this that. Uh, exact mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That's the only way. Um, and I've talked to a lot of people about this. And then once you get into the, the, the other sets, it's, you know, you get into Neo and they start having secret rares and, and different weights, you know, based on secret rares and heavies and stuff. Um, even somebody with all 36 packs, I've, I've seen them, you know, go through all 36 before they got the secret rare. So they mm-hmm. opened, you know, 35 packs that they didn't want to because they couldn't figure it out. So I think it's a, a little tough. Um, I don't think, I don't, you know, speaking on this, I don't think there's as much um, fake stuff, resealed stuff, tampered stuff, weighed stuff, um, as people think. Uh, I think people are generally honest. I think 90, 95% of the stuff out there is legit. Um, that doesn't mean there's not fake stuff and resealed stuff. And if it's too good to be true, you should avoid it. Those are all true statements. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think um, the stuff that went on on Instagram and uh, the, the guru resealed box and all that stuff, it added to that hysteria. Um, we had people, you know, I had, we sold like a hundred base set booster packs over the last couple months. And they were from a collection that was a hundred percent legit. Me and my friend, we opened them. We pulled Charizards out of these, Ah. you know, we, we opened light ones, heavy ones. We sold light ones. We sold heavy ones. We put the weights on the auction. We Mm -hmm. knew all the stuff. We had the cards graded. We know it's all legit, right? right all from the same collection all from the same original hoard from 99 mm-hmm. um we oh, had so people much fun thought, we had multiple people that thought you know because of that hysteria oh are these little tears supposed to be on the sides you know like the little mm. air was on the side of them on purpose so they don't blow up in the in the airplanes or people mm-hmm. that like are, oh the cards have you know slightly different colored backs and we're like well they're not from the same sheet you know uncommons are different than yeah. commons rares there was a hundred things i had to explain to people it, my job became you know trying to convince people that our stuff was <laughs> that they're legit like, you know in the last six months you know six months prior people assumed it was legit because those videos weren't out there so it kind of made it a little difficult to buy and sell vintage seal product um we even changed some of our policies just because i want to be able to vouch for every single thing that we sell um mm-hmm. so we really just don't buy sealed product unless it's somebody I know and know they've had it for a long time or I buy it from a complete estate um, that I, they've had it for a long time. Um, really, we're looking to get sealed product in those collections that we spend $20,000, $50,000 on um, where you know the stuff, this person had legit stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, it, yeah. you know, it's gotten hard and, and it's gotten hard for the dealers because they know that they're, the likelihood of them getting a return now is higher than ever, even though the stuff could be legit. So, hysteria really drove that market uh a little wacky as mm-hmm. far as packs. booster boxes are gonna are up and they're gonna continue to go up those youtubers they need that stuff to make money you gotta right. look at it that how they make their money that those will continue to go up you know mm-hmm. when pokey opens a box and he makes 10 to 20 percent margin he's not gonna stop doing that on twenty thousand dollar boxes it's just not mm-hmm. gonna happen keep doing it for as long as he can trust me you got to do the thing that keeps on working yeah sealed boxes are going to stay up for you know even like something like evolutions where people are like well these prices are crazy and i'm sitting here going well not when you divide it by 36 people are going to keep doing box breaks of this it doesn't matter how much it costs it's going to keep going up Mm -hmm. Uh, sealed booster boxes are incredibly incredibly rare to come by right now i don't see a single thing in the market that's going to touch those um you know you have you have guys that have 20 million followers on youtube opening them and they're not even fans of pokemon and they don't those guys are so rich they don't even sell the packs they'll just open it for themselves mm-hmm. yeah create 
and for the content Hmm. yeah so booster boxes are are very solid whereas sealed packs you want to get you know if you're going to buy a sealed pack send it off get it graded sell the graded pack or keep the graded pack as your investment because the hysteria is so high for individual packs yeah and and for people that um aren't maybe so educated with buying packs and whatnot what what do they need to keep out keep a lookout for when it comes to like resealed vintage packs like making sure the crimps look good and that you know they're not kind of melted away um that they have that um texture to them Uh, what are some things that they can do um, I, I, what I always check is, is like you said, the, the texture of the crimps, you know, once they, if they reseal them, usually that'll flatten out. Um, so like, whereas you should feel it's a little ribbed on the top and the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can compare the back flaps that are on there. A lot of times when they reseal a pack, some, some packs, the back flap isn't supposed to be attached. Let me see if I have my back here. So like, like this back flap here. Mm-hmm talking about yeah when some packs is not supposed to be attached or attached so just checking those photos mm-hmm. um online and comparing them um and then you know i think we talked about this the last time is, is it's who you buy it i mean if, yeah if it's too good to be true it probably is i i couldn't imagine ever going on ebay and just clicking buy it now on some random person's pack when for 20 percent more i could get it from tca Gaming. yeah just, I would just go with TCA Gaming or I'd go with PWCC or I'd go with Heritage. I'd go with, you know, I mean, there's just infinite, oh, you know, SM crap. <laughs> <laughs> A little, little, little public. Little plug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I can definitely understand that. I'm not going to lie. I did do something a little crazy the other day and decided to spend around $400 on, um, like a 98 shit. A 97 uh, Pocket Monsters pack. So nice. so it's a little bit of a risk. Like I haven't gotten it in yet. Um, like the pictures look for the most part good. I'm going to kind of like what we talked about, use some of those um, like techniques, like looking at the crimp and whatnot, like the pictures and the crimps and whatnot look kind of good, but we'll actually see. I feel semi-protected because I bought, you know, from eBay. So well, that's such a rare pack too that I think that you're going to have less uh, less issues with something like that than you are with like, say, if you spent $400 on a, a jungle pack. Oh, you know, I yeah. I think you're going to have less issues with something that's a little bit more unique and rare. Um, so I, I think you'll probably be okay. Obviously, you should still inspect it and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, you know, if I send it to get graded and they tell me that it's not, that it's resealed well you know yeah exactly yeah. That, that'd just be that'll the, tell that'd me. be the worst yeah you have some <laughs> recourse even then you have paypal has extended periods of time for things like that credit card companies you know all, all of the above but you know the unfortunate thing is is psa they don't have a faster speed for packs mm-hmm. you just like have to wait speed. yeah it's just one <laughs> there's you can't pay more to get it back faster i mean uh a couple weeks before um, load the Logan Paul video or whatever. I, I hate to say that's Logan Paul video, but the peak of, of Pokemon, you know, like when it really absolutely had the most influencers pumping in the most money and the most rich people jumping on board. Um, three weeks, four weeks before that, we sent off 80 vintage uh, booster packs. I mean, first edition German, mm. first edition French, base set unlimited, jungle, mm. uh, base set two, 
jungle versus fossil version. So like 80 packs. And there was, I mean, you know, at an average price of 500 a piece, you know, we yeah. were just, but we were just like, oh, you know, these will always be worth what they're worth. Let's send them to PSA. And then the peak happened and we were just sitting there just shaking our heads because at the peak, the prices, we were happy with the prices. You know, right. I mean, it wasn't, I think graded, they'll even be more than that when we get them back in three months, but it just kind of sucks to spend money and wait time Optimistic. to get what I'd be happy with now, you know? So <laughs> it was, it was, it was the safe decision, you know, grading your packs is always a safe decision, but uh, that was a little bit of a stinger there on, on the yeah. sealed pack. Yeah, I can understand that, you know, when you got your inventory kind of tied up in PSA. <laughs> so, yeah. but uh, that'll be really cool to see those packs come back though. Um, I need to learn a little bit more on their grading standards. I know they have notes. Um, I just haven't really read through them, but yeah. I'm considering sending um, like my vintage magic to them. Um, I just got some, some packs the other day. Uh, jungle team rocket and fossil so that'll be cool and then of course that uh japanese pack hopefully i'll get soon i i needed to get one honestly i'm i'm just really worried about getting priced out yeah <laughs> you know because because vintage product is yeah. always going to get bigger and it, it's going to grow and i mean honestly easily 30 years from now when we have the young kids who grew up with the modern they I, my guess is, is that they'll probably get priced out of vintage at that point too. So I'm thinking, okay, last big purchase of the year. Let me just drop some cash on this vintage sealed stuff that I yeah. really, really want. Uh, just because I don't know, I just feel like I'm going to get priced out and I'm not going to want to spend the money, <laughs> you know, that, that's once you get to we, a certain point. Me and Dan are too. We, we always say, at least we got to own it. So like we mm -hmm. drove down, um, this was a month, well, six weeks ago, let's say um the pokemon was as absolute hype i've been i had been preaching to my customers base set unlimited is the riskiest play it doesn't get riskier than this when i sold them products i said hey i'm giving you a discount please sell this right away or hold it for years no in between you know i was i was right i was telling them you know base set unlimited is your highest risk here because populations are growing at these prices people are going to start selling okay so i was trying to tell my customers this but despite that we got a call from a, a dealer that we deal with down in San Francisco. Um, and he had, he had four really high end, uh, based on limited card, you know, BGS nine, five, based on limited Charizard, PSA mm -hmm. 10 Venusaurs, PSA nine Blastoises, uh, a base unlimited box and a Neo Genesis first edition box. Ooh, okay. So, you know, the, we hadn't owned the first edition Neo Genesis box yet. And we said, you know, we might lose money on this deal but mm -hmm. at least we got to own it. So we drove right. down there with $80,000 cash. Oh, this bought, is bought, the guy. <laughs> bought, bought this guy's stuff. Um, we ended up on the deal probably breaking. You know, there's one item that didn't get paid in the last auction of reselling. Mm -hmm. um, overall, we'll probably break even. But the way we look at it is at least we got to own it. Um, you know, that's another, you know, check on the on the board of, of boxes we've owned was the first edition Neo Genesis box. Um so I think we're, we're getting close to having hit them all. Um, I actually had a first edition booster box from base set uh, in 2015. I sold it to this guy that you can see in the background here. He, oh, he okay. opened it back in 2015. <laughs> uh -huh. um, we, at, at the time, it was worth like $9,000. I had mm -hmm. gotten it from the storage auction. So I really wasn't into it at all. 
um, about a couple hundred bucks. I sold it to him for maybe 7,000 and he opened it. So kind of a fun story for us, but like, so like I've, you know, we're, we're, we have the first edition base set box. I've owned it. I brokered it. So now I feel like it's attainable to have hit them all. Um, mm -hmm. So we're just kind of working our way up. Or if anybody has Neo Destiny, first edition Neo Destiny, that's what we're looking Legendary at. Legendary collection. Yeah. Uh, Sky Ridge or actually we, we sold Sky Ridge packs, but Sky Ridge or Aquapolis. So those are the ones we're, we're really after here. So we and we have a lead out of the Aquapolis box. Yeah. So, so we're working on that one. And oh, if we can get awesome. Neo Destiny, we're going to open Neo Destiny. That's, yes. that's me and Dan, both of our favorites by far. Um, we got to chase that shiny Charizard. So. So mm -hmm. if somebody out there has it, hit us up. If you want to sell that fair price or maybe we broker a break for you, um, we definitely want to do it, so. Oh, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Hey, well, good luck. Good luck getting that one. Um, I like the I like the art um, that, uh, so, okay. So I'm learning Pokemon from those sets because there's a few that I don't know, but that Unon, that Unon, you know what I'm talking about? Um, that, that uh, I don't know how to say it, um, but it's spelled like U N O W N. Do you know? Yeah, what I'm I think about? it's like unknown, but I don't really unknown. Know. Really? Oh man. Yeah, okay. Like the, a, like the yeah. Parentheses. I think that's how it's pronounced. I wasn't watching Pokemon at that time, so like <laughs> kind of where you get yeah. your uh, you know enunciation. You hear people yeah. enunciate differently, and it's like you can tell if this person watched the show or not. Mm -hmm. um, but that was kind of like right when I stopped watching the show. So I don't know the enunciation, but I know how to spell all the Pokemon. <laughs> you know. Yeah, those are some, I, I thought that, I thought those, those are some cool characters. That one's been, uh, so I've, I've picked up a few like Neo Destiny and whatnot. Um, Cause it seems, it seems a little bit like those are, those cards are in general a little bit undervalued, but I don't know. I guess, yeah. I guess we'll see how things go, but um, that card in particular has been I don't know it's just like a weird ass little Pokemon and I'm like oh wow this is so cool because I'm still used to base set like I played yeah. Pokemon Blue I played Pokemon Red I'm playing through Let's Go Pikachu I know there's some of the other Pokemon in, in Let's Go Pikachu or whatnot but but like the blue and red those are the ones that I know you know front and back right to left so but it's really cool to see the cooler characters come up. So. I was I was sitting at the at the casino playing poker last night and playing my Game Boy Advance Blue game. Game, Boy <laughs> Pokemon game. That's hilarious. It was hilarious. Oh man, that is so funny. Yeah. Um. The uh, a few months ago, I had to buy um, like a little uh, what do you call it? Like it was like battery replacement for those cartridges um those, those game cartridges like a little kit i needed yeah. to buy it because my blue and my red the batteries had had gone out you know over the years like yeah. they're just so old um i have what to do that for all my anymore. what was that it, it stops them from saving right without yeah. the battery yeah. yeah so i lost the saves but um i i had to update or I changed batteries out for a Zelda game and then the Pokemon Blue, which I'm playing through right now. But um, <laughs> yeah, those those games are so much fun, so much nostalgia. Yeah. I think eventually I might try to buy like a graded, the graded um, uh, versions of those games. That'll be that'll be fun just to kind of have. Is I guess maybe it's yeah. a little bit of clout there. That's probably yeah. what I collect. <laughs> those are those are spendy. If you get like a complete graded one, it's reasonable. If you try to get a sealed graded one, those are crazy expensive right now, mm -hmm. but probably worth it in the long run. Ultimate nostalgia, really what, what drove the Pokemon brand more than anything is the Game Boy games, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, so 
definitely worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that because I've never really played Pokemon like the trading card game. I've always just played the video games. I even had the pinball game, you know, like like all the random Pokemon games. So I, I would agree with you on that. That drove so much of um so much of the hobby. But I I try to follow um every so often I try to catch um is it Tolarian? community college do you know who i'm talking about a youtube channel oh he no. does a lot of okay. magic stuff but he does like the actual game stuff and playing the game and every now and then he does talk about um like other trading card games like pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and whatnot but yeah. um you know one of these days i'm gonna actually start playing which i kind of feel like how you do travis i know you want to start going on tournaments uh for Yu-Gi-Oh. i've never played Yu-Gi-Oh. i don't know how to play it but i heard you master <laughs> you know i heard that a lot of people really enjoyed how to play that game but honestly like because i have these things and i've collected them you know why not just try to build a deck like yeah. my brother last year built a, a a red goblin deck for me uh magic the gather yeah yeah mtg uh deck um but i'm gonna learn how to build my own because you got these cool little strategies and and i don't know i think that's just some fun things to think about i know like depending on what the other deck the other person you're playing against is you could be just completely sol you know yeah. if you don't know yeah. what's going on but i've heard so many different variations too on different play styles which i guess what's the name of the of the play style that lets you play with any card from any set in magic is that like the oh. legends or something or yeah, yeah. Yeah, where you can actually the... play with the lock mox nine and whatnot yeah well, there's vintage and then there's one that's like any anything i don't know what the name one is for any there's some guys that play that that ultimate vintage mm -hmm. high-end hundred thousand dollar deck so that's that's really cool mm -hmm. oh yeah i can't yeah, imagine I played magic any... again in like 2008 and i would just find like a funny card and try to build decks around funny cards like mm -hmm. there was a card i can't remember what it's called now though um, but basically the rule was if you had all five lands in play, you automatically won the game. What? Right. Yeah, it was like this, <laughs> it was like the stupidest card. And like it had it was terrible. It, the card was terrible. Like it was like a junk rare, but I thought, well, this is fun. So I just built a deck around that card. Um, and it was super cheap, but it was fun. Like I, I had a lot of fun doing it, and I I don't know if I ever won. Like, I, <laughs> I was gonna really ask care. i wasn't like there to, to really to win but um yeah it's just there's there's fun things like you can do in magic like that where it's just like it would be hilarious if i ever won a game using this card mm -hmm. right so, more of that i think the world needs <laughs> you yeah. know Mag magic players are absolutely the the weirdest i think a lot of magic players don't care if they are competitive if they win they're just like this is what i think is cool this is what i run we just play, you know, and they might lose every time. Whereas uh, it's not the same, like in, in like, in Yu-Gi-Oh, it's ultra competitive. Like, it's like, how mm. can you win? It's like, you know, people don't really care how cool your deck is. It's it's like, can you win? And like Pokemon is the opposite. Like the way the decks are built in Pokemon, it's like all the not cool cards. Like Pokemon <laughs> decks are like, like a lot of trainers, a lot of energies mm -hmm. uh, and like, like a bunch of Zapdoses or whatever, you know, it went, but it wouldn't be like a bunch of, you know, Charizard, D-Max and Secret Rares, you know, like it's it's just not built that way. So 
Um, maybe that's something they're changing. So like the decks look cooler and that's where you have like your full art energies and your full art trainers and stuff. But from what I've watched, it's a lot of, you know, somewhat more boring decks. Whereas Yu-Gi-Oh is like the highest end cards are used in the deck. And then with Magic, it is just a lot of people that have played absolutely a ton of different decks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as far as like the new stuff um, and the new sets, like, like Wizards is doing a lot of interesting things. Um, have, do you guys, have you been keeping in touch with what the new magic sets are doing now? Like, what do you think about the product overall? Um, I, I like the newer stuff. Uh, we, we sell it on our auction. Like we'll do box breaks and stuff on our auction and sell by the pack. Um, I haven't gotten too much into the gameplay because partly because there's been no live games um, mm-hmm. over the last six months. So like, you know, for stuff like Zendikar Rising, I thought the art on Zendikar Rising was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked it. I liked the little art series cards inserts that they put with like the gold signatures of the artists. Um, I thought that was cool and collectible. Um, I kind of wish they had like something like that where you could collect those and trade them in for like the, the artwork, but you know, it's, yeah, that would be cool. um, but, or do something different, but I really like that. And I, I think that all the like new reprint type sets are really good right now for the market that we're in where people aren't able to play. So like Double Masters, uh, Double Masters was awesome with like the Force of Will and some of the other other big cards that they reproduced. And then also the, the new one, um, uh, commander legends yeah you know similar stuff where they're putting out a lot of uh, newer cards that um you know right now without people playing you know they're they're more collectible which has been awesome so uh, we'll see what magic's got up their sleeves um i know that they've been pushed to do start doing some more limited quantities of stuff mm-hmm. uh, going forward so we'll see if they end up doing some kind of a serial numbered card going forward Ooh, or something, something that would really be interesting cool. I heard that they might get rid of the draft boxes. I don't uh, know. I love the draft boxes, but that's just because they sell really well in our auction. You know, because mm-hmm. like we get for us, it's about pack quantity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we get a lot of packs, and so that's always been really helpful for us. Because um, like with the three different versions, like you know, Travis and I were building auctions the other week for uh, two different auctions at once, and we had to make sure we weren't missing dra- mixing draft booster boxes with the regular booster boxes because mm-hmm. there's different amounts of quantities of cards in the packs, and so our our customers would be confused and all of a sudden pay the wrong amount. So yeah. we can only have one type of, of card on each pack. So I liked it better when there just used to be starter decks in a booster box. Um, <laughs> Simple, but you know it's it's exactly it was nice and easy straightforward everyone knew what the values of everything was um so i don't mind if they get rid of it but i i like the when there was a lot more packs in the box mm-hmm. that's all i want is packs in the box mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i i can definitely understand that um and and i know that like so far this year all the collector boxes Coria, uh thrones of Eldrain, like i don't know people just seem to be buying those up like crazy have you guys yeah, been no, selling we were any able to get them for 80 bucks a box like a few months ago and now they just dried up like we can't find them for less than 100 um and for that we can't break them up like we you know mm-hmm. we gotta be in that kind of the 80 to 85 dollar price range to be able to break them up because like we don't have a huge magic following um mm-hmm. we are gonna have some awesome magic stuff on an auction here in january some older vintage stuff like in jam to jam will be on there um, a couple other pretty pretty awesome high-end cards um, but we don't have a huge magic following for modern yet um, mm-hmm. 
know, you just get a couple guys who bid on the packs and they pay whatever retail is. And for us, it's just not about making money on that pack, but uh, really increasing ourselves, increasing our brand as a place to get modern magic. So mm-hmm. uh, that's yeah. fine going forward. You know, we, we, we never mind selling like the awesome cool vintage cards. Those are, those are going to be pretty cool. So uh, we're looking forward to that auction. That should be like in the 10th or 17th of January. So. Ooh, okay. Okay. I'm going to have to keep an eye on that one. I was really sad because I can't remember what the hell I was doing. Um, I, I wasn't able to like watch the auction at right at the end, but I placed a bid on that rare pincer, uh, that Japanese pincer, like like that was such an interesting card. There was like no information whatsoever. Yeah. I'm like, who printed it or whatever? I was like, that is a cool card. I want that card. And I got yeah. outbid. I was so sad because I wasn't able to, for whatever reason, like keep an eye on it for when that, that auction ended. I was so sad, but I think yeah. that ended up going for like 21 bucks, but. Yeah. My, my buddy picked that up. He's, he's going to try to do some research on it. So we'll see. Mm. We'll see. I'll, I'll keep you updated on if he finds any when I, I just found it in the collection, I said, I have no clue what this is. I don't mm-hmm. speak Japanese, so I can't read what's on the front of this. It's clearly pincer. We'll, you know, we'll try to describe it as best we can and let people decide what it's worth. And, you know, maybe he'll he'll send it off and get it graded and it'll be something Ooh. super rare. Um, That'll be cool. We'll kind of see what happens. It, I, I think yeah. stuff like that's super cool because Pokemon was so vast. Um, and in 1996, 1997, um, there was, you know, in Japan, they were doing scratch tickets that were Pokemon. They were doing, you know, put it in your cereal. They were doing, they were doing mm-hmm. all the same things they did here, but we just don't know the information on it. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. And a lot of that stuff got thrown away. And, you know, so I think there's still a lot more big finds in the Pokemon world that people have forgotten about, or, you know, even like Shadowless, you know, like Shadowless base set. Yeah. Like, only became a thing you know 10 years ago mm-hmm. 12 years ago I mean I think that's when uh when when Gary kind of helped PSA start recognizing it and everybody said yeah oh yeah you're right that does look different you know I mean imagine <laughs> looking at a card and yeah. not knowing why they look different just oh it looks different um mm-hmm. I mean I know that there was always people that collected it because it looked different but really acknowledging that and I think there's going to be new things with Pokemon like the gray stamp you know that they're now acknowledging the gray stamp at all the companies yeah um and Leon Hart kind of pushed his influence to make that that happen you know I don't know if that would happen without him um and you can argue the semantics whether that's good or not that he can push his weight around to make that happen but yeah all the better to him um that that it's just a realization that that you know thick stamp thin stamp gray stamp are now all variations and we're going to continue to have variations and errors found that that kind of keep growing the scare you know just because something's rare doesn't mean it's valuable but um in pokemon people are always looking for the rarest thing they might not want to spend the most money on those items but it kind of adds a little section of you know i I know there's guys that just want the rarest stuff they don't really care if it's the most valuable and it, it just adds to you know every time something like that comes along it adds to what will go in their collections Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's that's definitely true. And honestly, I mean, like whether or not you agree or disagree that it's good, like you were saying that Leon Hart can throw his weight around on that. But I think getting those types of recognitions in the hobby is just don't is just I, I think those things are at the end of the day positive, I guess. Um, at the end of the day. So I think that'll be really cool. I was just talking to, I don't know if you know him on Instagram, but um, Pancake Analytics. 
he's really cool. He's a data scientist in the Pokemon uh, community, and he does a lot of things with Pokemon data and whatnot. And one of the things that he mentioned to me, he uh, he actually lives by, um, uh, I think he's real close to CGC. And so he was telling me that their Pokemon expert is so good. He can pick out all those really, really you know, tiny little variations, like the no rarity symbol. I'm terrible at those little things. Like those little <laughs> details, I forget sometimes to look at because I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just going to assume that it's there. But uh, apparently um, the gentleman that they have as their Pokemon expert over there at CGC is really, really good and very, very, very detail oriented. So I can really appreciate CGC doing their part to kind of push those things that maybe PCA might not be saying about the card, you know, to make, give it that variation. Um, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I think it'll be really cool to see how, um, how that can help push the, the hobby forward. So. No. And I think, I think, uh, I actually have some stuff down here about, uh, CGC. So I just wanted to plug it. I, I really like CGC. Um, I think that if you're a collector and you're looking for your stuff to be worth the most money in the long run, and you're going to grade the stuff yourself, yes, send it to PSA, wait the nine months. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to argue that it won't be worth more in nine months. Uh, but if you're any kind of a flipper, a dealer, um, I just did some like quick calculations. So if you take a, a, a first edition Eevee, okay, from Jungle, mm -hmm. and you grade it through CGC, uh, First off, the membership for CGC costs $25. Um, it takes between three to six weeks for it to grade, and it'll cost you $7.60 to grade that card. Mm -hmm. It will That's sell cheap. in a 9.5 for $90. Okay. That's a good flip. If you send the same card to PSA, it costs $59 for a membership, $10 to grade, and it'll take nine months. When you get the 10, let's say a CGC 9.5 is equal to a PSA 10, for argument's sake, um, it'll sell for $220. So in 36 weeks, you could send an item to PSA. In 36 weeks, you can get $210, okay? If you did the same item, the same EV, and you bought it six different times, because you can do six, six weeks at CGC, so you could grade the same card six different times, you'd make $494 in the same time frame, turning over the same amount of money. And I think that's what people aren't really looking at. If you're just looking to take your collection and grade it, PSA is a great option. But if you're looking to maybe turn stuff over, well, turning your, your stuff over at a rate of six times faster through CGC is gonna make more sense. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's what we're looking at, you know, cause we're dealers. Um, I'm looking at, you know, like a first edition Jungle Pikachu. Well, I'd rather take $200 for it in six weeks instead of $600 for it in nine months because I can just go replace the first edition Jungle Pikachu and grade another one and another one and another one and another one. Mm -hmm. um, so really, you know, set yourself and say, am I doing this as a dealer? Am I doing this to make money? Am I doing this as a long-term investor? Or am I doing this as a flipper? Um, and I would say the dealers and the flippers are better off using a company like CGC Maybe Beckett, if you can, you know, if you can narrow in why Beckett grades certain things, eight fives, nines, nine fives, you know, I have a pretty mm -hmm. in tune of uh, what I think the grade's going to be. Beckett's another good option. PSA is truly reserved for the items that are people that are keeping it in the, for a long time. PSA is a great option. Okay. Mm -hmm. You don't care when you get it back and keep it for a long time. 
Um, and then PSA is a great option. If you think a high-end card that's maybe over $5,000 is going to be a PSA 10, it's worth sending for that $200 service level or that maybe a $75 service level. Um, and, and you can make the argument for PSA. But if you're looking to be a dealer, um, it's not about getting the most money for each item. It's about getting the most money over the course of a year. So right. I think a lot of people don't look at it that way. And I think they should, you know, I mean, I'm not going to argue that PSA, PSA 10 sells more than any other nine five from any other company, hands down. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to sure. argue that it's just the argument that you're going to make more money in a year grading through PSA simply isn't true because your money's tied up in nine months versus six weeks. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I really like that you not just say the point, but you also show it with numbers, you know, cause, cause you really have to like what you're saying, go back and think about, well, what's the goal here? Do you want yeah. the inventory tied up? Are you okay with that? Or do you need to pay bills because you do what, like what, how you guys do, you have a business, you have payroll, you need to make money and you sell things that, you know, for the most part market rate, you know, uh, what yeah. they go for at that time that you're selling, you're not sitting on product to wait. Okay. Maybe it's going to hit this peak in two months from now. You don't have the luxury of that because you need to, you need to keep yeah. everything black at the end of the day, at the end yeah. of the month is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. And, and we could, we could probably everything I've sent to CGC, I could honestly afford to have it at PSA and be fine. Like as, as far as the cost of in inventory is concerned. Mm -hmm. um, we could we could have sent every card I sent to Becca, it would probably be fine as far as the cost of inventory for the cards themselves. Um, but the biggest thing is 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 the the risk reward is also there for us in terms of what if Pokemon like I think Pokemon will be in a higher place nine months from now uh, than it is today. Mm -hmm. But I don't my personal feelings aren't they don't pay like you said they don't pay the bills. Um, I, I might believe in it nine months from now, but that doesn't mean I'm willing to take, you know, you're talking about, you know, right now we have 15,000 cards already at PSA. Well, they're going to charge us, you know, $150,000 to get those graded. Um, if they're not worth what we hope they're worth, we still have to pay the $150,000. So, right. um, see is, is much more of a, it's worth this. Now I know what I'm going to get. I'll get the money in six weeks. The prices aren't going to change up or down that much, much, and I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I'm certainly happy with, you know, ninety dollars for a CGC nine five EV. So why wouldn't I just take it? You know, so mm -hmm. kind of mindset. Yeah. I think a little, a couple people got a little too greedy on stuff, and uh, <laughs> you know that that is what it is. You know, we were grading our our unlimited Charizards through Beckett and getting them sold at what we thought was the the peak. Um, other people send them to PSA and they'll get them in nine months and we'll see if that's a new peak. Yeah. But for, for us as a business, we had to do the safe choice. Right. Right. That, that makes sense. And for you guys, velocity is the thing that you have to kind of monitor, like the velocity of how quickly things sell for you, which I mean, with you guys at the end of the day, as long as everyone's paying the actual bid, you know, yeah. you guys know how much you're going to sell. You, you yeah. already know your sold listing. So so yeah, velocity definitely makes sense. So I guess, you, you know, people, when they're looking at cards, they have to think about, okay, what's, what's the goal? You know, if they have a business and they're, they want to be more like of a dealer, like you guys, they really have to think about 
the how how quickly it takes them to sell things and then how quickly it is to get that inventory so that they can have a continuous just roll of you know in and out inventory and cash so yeah yeah that, that makes a lot of sense for sure but um well anyways we're kind of coming up on time i don't know if you guys wanted to um leave anyone with any parting things or if you just want to tell us where where we can find you guys and when your next auctions are yeah, yeah sure. um uh, go ahead, we have two auctions i'll do this weekend so we have two auctions this weekend uh we actually have one tonight that starts at 6 30 pacific time so 9 30 uh, p.m eastern on goingtwice.com uh that auction i think travis built it so it's probably got a lot of pokemon uh, as my guess, uh, it's a lot of Pokemon sealed products, a lot of graded Pokemon cards um, are going to be on that auction. And then we have uh, our auction, our normal uh, Sunday weekly auctions, which is every Sunday at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time uh, on goingtwice.com. is always going to be tons of collectibles, sports cards, uh, Pokemon cards, Magic the Gathering. Uh, there will be occasionally be comic books, sealed product um just a little bit of everything when it comes to the collectible world so um we're really excited about it all uh those ones for this weekend and then travis can talk about the other ones coming up here too yeah so we have uh coming up at the end of december we have our monthly auction that's where you have your bigger pokemon collections magic collections retail closeouts store closeouts uh, we have a toy store closeout you know and so those are bigger lots you know you'll see a lot that has maybe 10 sealed toys 10 star wars items you know so you'll you'll see that on the auction also at goingtwice.com um a couple other things i've been doing a lot of this on social media uh you know we, we we don't take ourselves too serious as what you know our opinion at the end of the day really doesn't mean anything uh, but for what it's worth i've been you know to the to my followers i've been pushing a couple things um i think pwcc auctions is a great thing for everybody to pay attention to whether you want to bid or don't bid it's a great it's like each month the new starting point for prices pay attention to that um i think uh we've sports pushing, yeah for sports as well yeah calm c um we've been pushing that as well um for people that buy on our auctions if they're looking for a place to flip their stuff calm c takes care of everything for you you send your cards to them whether they're graded or raw for about 50 cents to a dollar a listing um, they list the items for you. They title the items for you. They ship the items for you. Um, what else? And then uh, there's some other great auctions on Proxibid uh, to take a look at. Um, we, we, we do a lot of uh, a business with Weeks Discovered Goods on there. Um, definitely worth checking out. So if, if you follow us on Instagram, you're seeing us promote these other businesses. Um, that's because that's where we see the hobby going. I think ComC is going to be huge for the hobby. I think TCG player has been and will be good for the hobby. I think PWCC has been, and then people transitioning over to Proxibid, which is where GoingTwice.com is, um, is, is all huge things. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to get involved, whether you're an investor or a dealer or a flipper, um, just, just take a look at all the different avenues. I know that you can check eBay all day long and try to buy stuff. You can go to Goodwill Outlets. You can do ComC. You can do PWCC. You can go to our auction at goingtwice.com. Um, just keep your eyes open. Um, try to figure out new places to go. So um, those are the things that I'm pushing as those change. If, if I have any feedback and I don't, like, let's say all of a sudden we're not sending stuff to CGC. You know, right now I'm big on CGC just because of their turnaround times and, and the prices we're getting for their graded products. We'll let you guys know via Instagram. If you guys want to follow us there, it's goingtwice underscore com. 
Um, same with our eBay. Uh, our eBay seller handle is going twice underscore com. We have a couple thousand items listed on there. and We do auctions a couple times a week on there as well. Awesome. Hey, well, that'll be cool to see um, how your auctions go um, over the, the rest of the month. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that. But shoot, I appreciate you guys. So, <laughs> um, no and then we also accept consignment too of any graded sports cards or coins. Uh, we do on graded sports cards or trading cards. We do just 15% consignment rate, which is basically the same as if you sold it for yourself on eBay. Um, we, but we've got a huge network of, of, of true believers. And a lot of times we're getting over eBay prices anyway for our stuff. Um, and then also coins, we usually do at 5%. So if you have graded coins, we are, we're happy to, to list those on our auction as well. So we love selling graded stuff. Uh, now it's harder to argue for the customer to, to argue what they're getting. Um, and we just keep, you know, plugging away. And so if you send us stuff, we're going to get it online as fast as you can. You'll, you'll see it on there. Um, it will be on there for a few weeks and we'll sell it and we'll send you a check, uh, 10 days after the auction closes. So. Hell yeah. Who doesn't like checks? So let's do it. Exactly. <laughs> let's do it. Anyways, you guys heard it. Um, that'll be really great. Uh, shoot. Uh, yeah, I'll have to check out your auctions, see what, see what I can afford with your uh, <laughs> monthly action. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, I, I appreciate you guys so much for coming on. So we'll definitely have to do this sometime come next year. Who knows? See how the markets go. And um, well, I appreciate y'all and uh, have a good day. So. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank care. you, Jessica. Have a good one. You too. Thanks.